Hey girl, Heather Nelson here. Welcome to Life Conversations with a Twist. I'm so excited to build a community where I inspire and empower women who are going through hard times. I can't wait to share with you women who have unique stories and have overcome hard times in their life. So grab your favorite cocktail, lean in, and let's cheers to empowerment, ladies. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Life Conversations with a Twist. I'm very excited to have on Natasha Miller. I was just telling her it's been so long since I've seen her. It's probably been, I don't know, two or three years at one of your last like spring events. Um, her and I met through obviously the events industry and she has so many cool things going on. So I can't wait to like dive in, hear about your story and know all the things going on. So Natasha, do you want to tell us a little bit about you and kind of a little bit about your story? Sure. So I own the event and entertainment production company called Entire Productions. We're based in San Francisco. I grew up uh, in the middle of the country, Des Moines, Iowa, and had a really rough start. Let's just put it that way. We'll get into the nitty gritty later, but let's just say really tough start. And I really just clawed and scratched my way out of a pretty dark hole and just kept going for the things that I wanted to achieve and was able to achieve a lot of them, if not most of them. And then some things far beyond that I ever expected for myself. And now I have a multi-million dollar company. Uh, we've been on the Inc. Uh, 5,000 list of fastest growing companies in America for three years in a row. Um, I'm just really proud of what we've built. Um, so there's so much more to say, but I think I'll just leave it there. So. <laughs> People and you also like have a podcast. Off. I do have a podcast called Fascinating Entrepreneurs, where I interview entrepreneurs that are founder CEOs of their company doing a million dollars or more in revenue and have at least two or more full-time like W-2 employees because we talk about company culture and um, just all these things that have to do with like owning a company with people. I love that. I'm going to, um, you I just added you to my, uh, to my re regular routine. So I want to listen in on that. Um, so let's start a little bit about your, where your background, like where you came from. And, you know, the, the point of my podcast is, you know, we all go through hard things and, um, I always see that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and I, it sounds like you have obviously gone that way and you wrote a book about it. And so I would love to dive in a little bit more of like your background and kind sure. of, where you got, where you came from. Yeah. So I grew up in the middle of the country, Des Moines, Iowa in the mid eighties. Um, you know, I was born in 71, really coming to age in the mid eighties where you can imagine there's not a lot of help for mental health, uh, domestic violence, dom domestic abuse. And it was kind of a don't ask, don't tell, you know, people know what's going on, but nobody does anything about it. And I was treated very, very, very badly, um, abused by my mother and everyone just allowed it to happen. And, um, you know, eventually on Christmas day, when I was 16 years old, she had threatened to kill me. Um, it wasn't a new thing. This was a reoccurring theme, but this time she's chasing me around with a butcher knife. So I finally called 911 and, in, at that time, the police, unless you're gushing with blood or have a broken bone, uh, they can't do anything. They don't take you from the home. They don't, you know, arrest the parent. So I ended up going to a homeless shelter on Christmas night. And um, I've been on my own ever since. Wow. Was your father around? Yeah. 
and he kind of just allowed it to happen. Ugh, I'm so sorry. I mean, I don't think he had the best situation either. Um, I have two younger brothers and I think we're all in a similar situation with her. And is she still around? And are you guys, is she in your life? No, No. I made the decision in 2019 after really spiraling out, um, just really having a hard time with her and having my daughter, this was a, a good turning point, having my daughter who's now 26. So this is a few years ago. Look at me after an incident and say, mom, your mom is still abusing you and your brothers. And I thought, well, shit, I'm a fully grown woman. And my daughter is reflecting this in a way to me that I hadn't put into words. So that combined with a lot of other things um, made me realize that it was time for me to not have her in my life and protect my mental health. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, growing up, were you like a good child? Were you rebellious? Like what kind of, what kind of child were you? Gosh, I think I was super dorky. I was not popular. I was very artsy and creative and weird. I played the violin at, you know, from the age of fourth grade on, I was in the symphony. I was in the youth orchestra. I was a classically trained, um, as far as a bad kid, I assume you mean like running away, uh, drinking, doing drugs. No, I was at youth symphony practice and choir practice. I was not, you know, when alcohol was presented to me, I faked drinking it. I never liked it. Also, I had to be in control of my life. I didn't have a safety net at home, right? I didn't have people that I knew were going to take care of me. So I've always had to um, try to be social, but not really participate. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that you brought up because you obviously run um, and Entire Productions is a entertainment company um, and you grew up in like that world of like choir and music. And do you ever feel like that was like an outlet for you to kind oh, yeah. of like express of who you are? And so music definitely created the life that I have now, but it also saved my life in so many forms. So one, I was able to express myself, uh, lots of, you know, low inflection points, but even when I was happy, those moments that, that happened also, I think, you know, I play the piano, the violin, the guitar, I'm a singer for me sitting down at the piano when I'm feeling bad and either writing music or playing music is my form of meditation. It also kept me safe to an extent because for some reason, when I was playing the piano or practicing the violin, my mother didn't bother me. Hmm. So I could lock myself away in my room and, and be fairly safe. And then it was a conduit to, you know, my, I barely graduated from high school because I was on my own the last two years. I was working full time. I was, I had to fend for myself and no call, no um, high school counselor thought that I was going to go to college. So nobody's helping me apply, but I applied on my own. I figured it out and I got a full ride scholarship to three different colleges on violin uh, performance scholarships. Oh, wow. Awesome. And where did you end up going? 
the first school I went to was KU, University of Kansas. And that was, you know, three hours away in the near the big city of Kansas City, which is funny. <laughs> and then I ended up transferring to Iowa State and then ultimately Drake University, which is a private university in Des Moines. But I never got a degree. And a degree wasn't terribly important to me. And for who I am and for what I do, it hasn't been important to me. And did you ever um, at that point know what you wanted to do with your life? Like, did you did you always have these big dreams to like own an entertainment company or no. like, did you think you were going to be like the famous, you know, choir singer or like, you know, no. what were at so that point I, your goals? Yeah, my whole life was pushing toward being a performance artist. So now I have seven CDs out. Um, I'm a voting member of the Grammy Awards. Um, I've performed at the Monterey Jazz Festival and Yoshi's and I've two of my songs have been in mo major motion pictures. Um, I play the violin on almost all the records. I'm looking over here on my wall. I have them all up on a wall. And really, you know, I was going to be a singer. I was going to be, I don't know, the next Bonnie Raitt or Sean Colvin or for five seconds, I thought I would want to go to Broadway and be on Broadway. But, you know, I had the voice, but I didn't have acting skills or talent, nor was I a dancer. So I'm not sure where that came from. <laughs> I figured I would just find a role where I could just sing. <laughs> what would you tell like someone that... It Oh, I have two questions. Um, somebody who's 16 or younger or in their teenage years and, and battling with something like that in their household. Yeah. Um, do you have advice for girls that might be going yeah. through that of like, what, what kind of helped you kind of go forward and, and get out? Well, I was looking constantly and for a long time into my adult years for someone to come save me. I thought, hello, everyone can hear what's going on in my house. Everyone can see it. Is somebody going to come and swoop me and, and save me? And no one's coming to save me. No one saved me. No one's coming to save you. But you do have it within yourself to save yourself. And other people can help, but they're not going to carry the load. They're not going to do the majority of the lifting. So I would say... Um, Instead of turning to disruptive, bad things for yourself, arm yourself with knowledge, with reading, with reading blogs, with reading uh, inspirational, motivational works, finding a mentor, finding an advisor, really pulling yourself out of your own situation. Uh, because I can tell you right now, if somebody is out there saving someone, it's a very rare situation. It's such good advice. And I think it's good advice no matter how old you are or whatever situation you're in. So if you're struggling with abuse at home with your spouse or whatever, I think that is so important um, advice. So thank you for that. Yeah. So you go to college, you're doing the things, you're, you're going to be this famous singer, and then what? Then I moved to San Francisco at a very young age, get married to a guy that was nine years older than I was. So you can imagine, I grew up very fast. So at the age of 23, having lived on my own since I was 16, I felt like I was 30. And I had lived a life as a full grown adult for so long. So I made choices that weren't actually great for me, but I, I didn't know, there's no way to know, right? There's the, the rear view mirror wasn't there. The blind spots were not being called out. And I got pregnant with my daughter, but 
um, this was like 1995 is when she was born. And at that time in San Francisco, I was playing this, uh, the violin with my string quartet, the Sapphire string quartet. We were booked. I mean, I was booked every Friday and every Saturday, at least, but I was getting calls for two, three, four events at the, at a time, because I was a good marketer. I was good at branding back then magazine ads really pulled. They really worked. It was before the internet was as prevalent as it is now. And so I would bring in other groups, uh, just like mine better maybe, and manage them. So that was the impetus and the like tiny crumble beginning of entire productions. And then in 2001, when my daughter was five, I put up a shingle and officially started the business, officially started paying taxes as a corporation. Actually, I think I was a sole proprietor, then an LLC, and now we're in a corporation. And I started sending out jazz ensembles like mine or string quartets, but then dance bands and kind of just slowly moved to different genres, DJs, aerialists, headline acts, um, and... Now we provide every discipline of entertainment and every um, genre, like literally from rap, hip hop, to classical, to jazz, to singer songwriter. Um, you know, we've sent out really big names to events to people you've never heard of, but they're all professional. They're all, for the most part, it's not somebody's like hobby that we're sending out. So really top notch entertainment. And it's, it's incredible. We're also event producers and, you know, have planned some very over the top, fantastical, crazy, because we're in the Bay Area events, which is so much fun to do. So, um, you know, my business started in 2001. I think in 2013, we really started to be more of a corporate entity rather than a lifestyle business. And a lifestyle business means the money coming in really was any profit was coming to su support and sustain my lifestyle, which at the time wasn't very, um, it's not super fancy. It just lifestyle business means you just don't have any more money for employees and branding and marketing. Like, but in 2013, we started to think about scaling and growing in 2015. We really did. I think we were at like 1.5 million in revenue at that point. And I ended up going to a Goldman Sachs sponsored entrepreneurial master's program at Babson College in Berkeley. And that really lit a fire underneath me. And that year, my business grew by 65%. And then the next year, 65%. And the year after that, 65%. And now I'm speaking at Inc. magazine events and you know, winning all these fastest growing company awards and really becoming a much more sophisticated entity than we were before. What a great story. How involved are you like to the day-to-day -day stuff now? Cause I feel like when you get, when you grow so much, are you still involved a lot? Are you less yeah. involved? So I am um, acting as more of the ideation visionary strategist for the company. I do not work with clients day to day on individual events. I am not responsible for all of the marketing and branding. I'm not responsible for managing the team. They're really self-managed. So I'm doing what entrepreneurs actually should do with their business because it actually makes my business much more. Um... Okay. So I'm not planning on selling the business, but if I were, 
it's much more um, attractive to buyers because they don't have to rely on me to be the secret sauce to the success of entire productions. How many is on your team now? We have seven now. I laid off, I think, six people during um, the pandemic, which was, you know, just horrific. I won't go further. Just it's not good, right? Not fun, not easy, really hard on my soul, not easy for them as well. Um, and we're, we're building back up. As you know, events are like flying through, you know, at a epic speed. So we as event people are doing things. We're getting RFPs from events that have been canceled one year, not only one, but two, plus all the new ones coming up. And there's so many people from our industry that are gone. Mm -hmm. They're working in different industries. So there is a labor labor shortage to begin with. And once you get somebody in that hasn't been in our industry, they have a ramp up time. So it's wonderful that things are coming back up, but it's also a super challenge. Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm reaching to the choir. I know. Yep. (laughs) I feel like you're growing pains. It's like, you're like rebuilding a company, you know, and then you had such a great company as it was. And then you take it away for a little bit and it's like skyrocketed. What did you do during the pandemic? I mean, we, we scaled into virtual events, like no one's business. We had such a good time, fun time doing it and very successful time doing it. I came up with a strategy for a variety show type um, experience online so that people wouldn't lose interest and get bored. So we did shorter segmented, faster paced modules of entertainment experiences, but then, you know, bookended with a keynote or a message from the CEO or whatever, you know, serious messaging needed to happen if so. And that first year, 2020, we did over 200 virtual events. We did full production, um, full-scale broadcast quality events, but also simple Zoom events. But we made our our events just over-the-top wonderful. That's the entire production's brand. We couldn't do anything less than that. And then in 2021, we ended up producing over 200 events. Most of them, I would say, were virtual. A lot of them slipped through in like that April-May window where we were in between variants. Are do you mostly focus in the like uh, San Francisco Bay Area, or are you guys kind of have you branched out? We all work over? all over the world. Okay, and and have for many years, both in person and, and virtually. I would say the majority of our business is the West Coast. Yeah, and then so from that, you had this amazing, successful business. Obviously, you've done uh, many things. Where did like the podcast um, <laughs> idea come from? Yeah. So I was building another brand as well outside of entire productions. And that was one of my own where I would teach entrepreneurs that are already, you know, have a business, not, not people thinking to have a business to help them scale and grow by 50% or more. And so that podcast really speaks to that demographic because I'm asking questions of business owners about their success, but also what are they challenged with? So I'm getting in there and I'm, I'm prying open the, the door and yeah, I can, I can see all your successes. Tell me how you did that, but what else are you struggling with and, and what are you doing to overcome those things? So it's been a great learning opportunity for me. It's been a great networking opportunity 
And we're on, let's see, we have over, I think, I don't even know, 65 um, shows so far. We're in the top 1.5% of all podcasts out of 3 million. Uh, I think we have 20,000 subscribers and it's growing and we're going to start monetizing it. So at, at, at first it wasn't, you know, I wasn't taking sponsors. I wasn't charging people to be on the show, but I get, you know, five to 10 emails a day from people all over the world wanting to be on the show. Um, the founder of MM Lafleur, which is a women's clothing company, just asked to be on the show. So she'll be on soon. And I've had some really, I mean, I've had people, I've had, let's see, let me think about this. The biggest comp- company I had was a $2 billion company. Wow. Revenue. And, um, you know, I learned something, they learn something, and then the listeners do. It's just good all around. That's awesome. How do you do this all? Wait, wait, before I ask you that question, because <laughs> you're also a mom too. So there's that whole um, world. Um, your book, talk about your book. book. And I know it's I need, called- I'm going to buy it. It's in my, it's sitting in my Amazon cart. Relentless Homeless Teen to Achieving the Entrepreneur Dream. And it really just, it showcases my incredible story. We all have a story. Some of our inflection points, you know, big and small or positive and negative, they might not be as tragic as mine. And some may be even more tragic, but it really depends on where you're coming from, what you deem to be, you know, more or less, it's not a competition. Let's just say that. But I, I am very vulnerable in the book and I, and I talk about things that I didn't even talk to my best friend or my therapist about why I thought writing it down and putting it in a book and letting everyone in the world read it. I, I don't know. There was some safety in that. It felt somewhat anonymous, but it's not. My name is on the book. <laughs> Your name's on the book. <laughs> Whatever. But also there's an audible version that I narrate that has my you know, various songs that I've written or performed woven throughout the entire text. So I, I think it's a really cool thing. People are starting to do that a little bit now on Audible, but not many. I might have to check that I out. I always have to take it to another level. <laughs> well, you also are in the in, in the entertainment world. Right. So it's kind right. of like you're expected to, right? Um, have you always wanted to write a book? Like what made you say this is it's time? I believe that I have for a long time, maybe 20 years, maybe longer knew that at one point I would write a book about my life story, but I'm, I wouldn't say to anybody, like I'm a professional writer. I'm a professional author. I come from a family of media and authors. My grandmother, this is very ironic. My dad's mom wrote books about family communications and keeping connected during challenging times. Very interesting. Have you read those books? Yeah. I used to (laughs) help her as a little girl at her workshops. It's very ironic. Um, My daughter is a beautiful writer. My dad's a great writer. He's a poet. Um, you know, my grandmother published seven books with a, a major publisher in New York. My uncle and aunt are in the news, newspaper agency industry, and my uncle ran Iowa Public Television. I was really the black sheep, but now I have a Wall Street Journal 
and USA Today bestselling book. We just won three awards. The most recent was the Literary Titan Gold Award for the book. I have to like try to recall these things because it's new lingo for me, right? Yeah. It's, I'm sure it's like a whole nother world. Mm-hmm. It is. What? Um, I, I want to write a book. It's literally on my goals that I write down every single day. For somebody who's wanted to, because I know a bunch of women out there that do, what mm-hmm. is like your advice is like, what like what do you do? And so for me, that's Good the same setup, thing. Good setup, Heather, because <laughs> I actually teach a course for oh. people to write their own story or their own memoir. And I've created a system that makes it easier to get started and get going and keep going rather than not have any foundation or strategy behind it. Then I also walk you through the different publishing opportunities and potentials and help you figure out what your path should be for publishing. And then the big honker is the marketing of it to become a bestseller. So that's called Memoir Sherpa. And I don't know where the book is. I have a workbook that we created. So you can, um, you can ask me more about the course if you're interested, you know, on email or something. Okay. I will for sure. I I'm like you, I'm like, I'm not a writer. And someone said, you don't need you don't to, have to, have to you don't have to be a writer. You have to have a story. So I'm like, okay. You have to have a story, but let me just, so that we all are on the same page. I'm a fairly good writer. I'm not going to win a Pulitzer for my prose. I'm a good copywriter. I'm a good email writer. I wrote 50 to 80,000 words, but the key to a beautifully written book is really good feedback, trusted reader feedback, but also an editor. And so that's, you know, one of the things that I teach and I can go into more detail about that, but no, you don't, you don't even have to use um, a keyboard, a typewriter or a pen. You don't have to write a single thing. And I will tell you how that works another time. Okay. I'll reach out to you. Um, okay. So my question to you is how in the heck do you do all of this? <laughs> you please, know, it, please help me understand. Okay. People tell me that too. They're like, how do you do all this? And I am sure it sounds like you, you like thrive off of all the things. Mm-hmm. So, I do that. So my personality is that I like to have a lot of irons, you know, irons in the fire and I like to move from thing to thing, to thing, to thing, to thing. I'm a good pivoter. Um, you can't really multitask. You can't really do two things at once, supposedly. I don't know. I don't really believe that, but here's the secret. So when I was, when I had Bennett, my daughter, she was with her dad because I, I got divorced when she was two, half of the time. And I just laser focused into what I was doing then when she wasn't with me. And then when she was with me, I was laser focused on her, but now she's 26 years old. I have a successful business. I have great people. I'm an excellent delegator. And I don't have a husband or a spouse or a partner that I um, have a responsibility to. I don't have a young child that I'm responsible for. So you can't, it's not apples to apples, right? My life is completely different than someone that's raising young children or middle school children or even high school children. And I don't have that relationship responsibility. So I, I don't want people to look at me and say, why can't I do all the things that she does? Because you can't until you get to a place where there's white space in your life. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. 
so so much needed um so one of my questions always to people too is like what do you do for self-care because um mm. obviously you have a lot of stuff going on yeah um what do you I do, am not do for yourself really good at the self-care however <laughs> i burned myself out like you wouldn't believe um after this book launch and i tried to go to italy with my daughter for self-care well that wasn't relaxing i mean it was incredible but we were everywhere and we were on the run, on the go all the time. I was, I thought I was going to die at the end of it. So I came home. I wasn't relaxed. I wasn't recuperated. And I said, oh, you need to stop. So the things that I did in that stop was I got my haircut. I hadn't had my haircut since November. (laughs) And that's not like ridiculous, but you know, Typically we get our hair cut, what, every six to eight weeks, maybe, you know, something. And then I got a massage. I needed to etch out that time for me to not think, plan, work. Um, And I'm promising myself. So next week I have a massage scheduled for Friday. Good job. Right. So I'm promising myself to remember that I have to cut out some time to do things that are nice for me and my body and my soul that, and I have to force myself to do it because I, I don't enjoy lounging around and hanging out. And unfortunately I'm kind of built to produce Mm -hmm. and that doesn't work out for a human being long-term all the time. Well, I'm glad you're making the time for yourself because you definitely. Okay, wait, one other thing. Thank you. I love to kayak in on Ah. our estuary in Oakland. So every weekend I really do try to get out on the water and, or take a walk. You know, I live um, near water. I live near um, Alameda, Oakland by the estuary in the Bay. So that to me is, is self-care, even though it's simple, definitely good. Obviously you are a goal setter. Do you like, what do you do to, for goal setting? Like, do you write them down every day? Do you like have this, like I'm a vision yeah. board person. Like what is like oh. your planning of goals? I am not a vision board person. I might aspire to be, but it might ruin my mojo personally. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So I have big ideas and then all I do is do everything to get to that point. And so during the pandemic, I had a lot of big ideas and one of the one of my fellow entrepreneurs was like, okay, you need to make a list to do now and to do later. And that was the podcast, the book, Um, you know, for entire productions, we added digital events, we added a promo. So we have a whole promotional like swag department for our clients. We're not selling to the outside world. Um, I had all these things and, you know, it looked a little crazy, but guess what? they all got done. And so I do have to-do lists and I might have three or four major projects, um, in the works that I'm just always cycling from one to the other. I don't, that's not terribly helpful, but that's how I do it. That's the reality. I'm always curious. Cause I'm like, I, people probably think I'm crazy because I have all these ideas too, but I'm always like, I write them down, but I'm always like curious, like what other people, especially like you, have big goals and big dreams. And so I'm yeah. always curious, like how people move forward mm-hmm. with, those. I hear the vision board situation is very powerful. Yeah. I'm definitely a vision board girl. <laughs> um, what is one big 
like takeaway or thing that you've learned in the past, let's say 10 years um, that you wish you could share with other people? The takeaway is the biggest one is you can do so much more than you think you can and that people tell you that you can. And if that is what you want, don't let anything stop you. Don't, you know, one of the things that I think people look at my life and they're like, oh, she sacrificed this to get that. I didn't sacrifice anything. I made choices that to the outside world may have looked like a sacrifice, but I never felt without. So having that mind frame of I'm going for this thing and nothing's going to stop me is something that I would love to be able to instill in other people. What's your advice to people who always struggle that they don't think that they can achieve those things or they can't accomplish those goals. Yeah, They're the only ones standing in their way, their own mind frame. I don't really like the word mindset because it's so overused, but seriously, the, like, look at me. I was told that I was hated by my mother, the woman that gave me birth every day of my life. I was threatened that she was going to kill me all the time. That crushes the human spirit. But what do you see from me? I'm literally radiating real, true, true happiness and joy. Not every single moment of every single day. Let's just be honest, but overwhelmingly so. I am happy and fulfilled. And when I have those feelings of doubt, um, imposter syndrome, I'm not good enough. Why does even anyone care? You know what I know now? Wait it out. Give yourself a minute, go take a nap, go sleep it off. And next day, just know this shit's going to pass and don't dwell on it. And if anybody, you know, someone said, I think a, a high school counselor said, wow, Natasha, we expected to hear that you were found dead in a gutter. That's what was expected of me. If I can do what I did, not just, you know, I was homeless, not just I was abandoned. I was told I was not worthy of being alive. So if I can do it, I promise you, if you don't have, you know, there are some people that have cognitive difficulties and physical, you know, there are some barriers to getting to where you want to go, but sometimes those barriers make you stronger. So good. So good. Thank you. What's next for you? Like what, what's our next goals? What are we going to see Natasha doing next? Yeah, I really, it's time for me now to reach out and help other people that are coming up. I need, I want to teach people how to improve their businesses. Like it's, it gives me great joy. I want to help people find their voice. Um, one of the, a man wrote, read my book. So interesting that a lot of men are reading the book and are affected by it and sending me screenshots of circles and, you know, circling the text and highlighting. And one guy in Arizona wrote, this is the book I wish I had the courage to write. That alone right there is more important to me. It fills my soul and my ego much more than number of books sold and amount of money making, by the way, there's not a whole lot of money to be made in books, writing a book. Just I've heard that, right. <laughs> you can't write a book to make money from the book. You make money from other things um, outside of the book related to it. 
that to me is so fulfilling. So helping people tell their stories, figuring out how to publish it, figuring out how to market it. Um, that is my next goal. I'm still going to inspire, be the visionary strategist for entire productions. I can't separate that. You know, I work every day with my team, but in between everything else I'm doing. So it's just one of the irons in the fire. It's one of the pistons. And when it's firing, I pay attention to that. I love that. Well, I can't wait to see what else you have coming up. And I definitely would love to reach out to you about the book because writing a book, because that's definitely yes. one of my goals. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for, you know, telling everyone that you can truly do what you need to do and do what you want to do. So I, I, I believe in that. And I love that you are proof of that. Thank you. And thank you for starting your podcast and especially for wanting to have me talk to you. I mean, it's, it's an honor. You are someone in the industry that's very well known and respected as well. And I mean, here we go power to us and everyone listening and anybody in our in industry, especially. Yeah. I agree. Well, thank you for being here. Um, I'll put all your contact information in the podcast so people can find you buy your book, do all the things. And okay. um, I can't wait to see what more you have coming on. I can't wait to see what you have going on. Thank you, Heather. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Please share this episode on social media and tag me. And if you know someone who needs to hear this message, please share. I can't wait to continue to inspire you all.